you can listen to The Front on your smart speaker every morning. To hear the latest episode, just say, play the news from The Australian. From The Australian, here's what's on The Front. I'm Kristen Amiot. It's Tuesday, August 15. A branch-stacking investigation found a branch of the Victorian Labor Party forged the signatures of at least two dead people on party membership forms on more than one occasion. Less than 10% of members signed up to the Layla South branch survived the probe, raising questions about the conduct of Victorian Climate Action, Energy and Resources Minister Lily D'Ambrosio. Resources Minister Madeleine King encouraged the private sector to back an Indigenous voice to Parliament at the Australian's Bush Summit in Perth yesterday. As the resources sector is the largest employer of First Nations people, it makes sense that that sector would advocate in the interests of an important part of their workforce. Ms King also reaffirmed the government's support of the nation's resources sector, saying it's vital to Australia's clean energy transition. The global energy transition now underway presents us with a priceless opening to grow our resources industry, boost our value-adding capabilities and contribute meaningfully to global decarbonisation. In today's episode, Madeleine King sits down with The Australian's editor-at-large, Paul Kelly, to discuss the path forward for the resources sector. Plus, later in the episode, Australia's richest person, Gina Reinhart, pulls no punches at the Bush Summit. Minister, thank you very much. One of your responsibilities as Resources Minister is to propagate the interests of the resources sector. What can we do and what can you do in particular to create a greater awareness in the capital cities and in urban Australia of the extent to which their national income and their services derive from the bush, from the regions and above all from resources? Thanks, Paul. Well, what I think we find in some cases in Western Australia, there is a bit better understanding of the value of resources than there might be in other places, just because so many people work in that industry are more familiar with in Western Australia, where whole villages, as they call them there, are interconnected with the industry, where public rail lines for public transport share the same rail as trains carrying coal. And there's an important interrelationship between those towns and the coal mines the exporting facilities and the whole communities. So those little pockets, they get it too. Uh, But I do accept what you're saying, that there are other parts of the country that maybe don't understand this as much. But I think one question here is, are your colleagues with you? Are they behind the resources sector? Look, they're 100% behind the resources sector. And you know know the Prime Minister and the Treasurer, particularly as a Queenslander, is very much behind the resources sector and knows full well the value it brings. I do think it would be wise for more, and I don't care what party you're from, uh, more parliamentarians seeing more of the resources sector is unequivocally a good thing. I want to take you to, I think, one of the most interesting statements you've made in your time as Resources Minister. Looking at the future of the industry, you've said the road to net zero runs through the resources sector. Now, many people see mining and resources as a problem when it comes to net zero. What you've said is it's part of the solution. How does that work? Objectively, there will be more mining, not less, to reach net zero. We know to reach net zero, we need to have battery storage. We need to have 
renewable energy, which requires wind turbines or solar panels. All of these things and many more things that we take for granted all require mining of critical minerals and rare earths, different to what we think of with the massive iron ore mines such as Mount Wildback. But these are the things we will absolutely need and not just us, the whole world needs them. This is obviously a concept that you're deeply focused on and profoundly aware of, but I think most Australian people aren't. They don't really understand the debate about critical minerals. They don't really understand the extent to which mining is going to be important for net zero. Do you think this has got the potential to change Australian attitudes towards mining and resources? Yeah, I think it does. But a new industry like this needs uh, to be well explained. So my efforts are in trying to explain it better, I suppose, Paul. The reality is, is we will need more mining for these rare earth elements and critical minerals. How we do them will be in accordance with environmental best practice. And the good news is that is what countries like the US and the European Union really want. They want to have a reliability of supply, which also meets social and governance standards that we all come to expect. So we have a good story to tell in Australia in the fact that we mine responsibly and sustainably and we do it for the long term for the benefit of all the community, whether it be the workers, the local Indigenous traditional owners and otherwise. So it's a really good story to tell and it puts us above most other mining places in the world. This is really an economic and industry revolution for this country. We'll need the technology, the capital, and we've got to be internationally competitive. We'll have lots of rivals. Are we up to the job? We've proven we're up to the job. This country has done this before and we've done it really well. But we've also, a lot of this, it absolutely requires governments to be involved. As you said, geology is not enough, though, gee, it's a great start. Bob Hawke stood with the Premier of China to ensure the deal was done to help Rio Tinto's first big mines happen in the north. That was a really important step. John Howard also stood with members of the Chinese government to ensure there were good gas take, off-take agreements to make sure the Northwest Shelf progressed. So these are efforts we have made continuously over many years so that we can do exactly what we need to do, not just for Australia's prosperity, which is very important, but for our region's prosperity. We've done it before and we will do it again. One of the suggestions that Kim Beasley put forward was that Australia should be thinking about building the critical minerals project into the Pillar 2 of the AUKUS agreement. I'm wondering what your response is to that idea. The truth is critical minerals will be are, uh, totally essential to clean energy technologies and these are the things that all the world needs and wants to reach net zero. So having the supply chain to make sure we have options, that AUKUS nations have options around their supply chains is very important. And that's why the Prime Minister is working with President Biden on the compact on climate and critical minerals, because we do need greater US engagement, but particularly investment in making sure we can have more of those processing facilities here, because we're good at extraction, no doubt about it. But getting more investment into refining and processing, and that's really what the critical mineral story is about. We need to do that to make sure we can have battery storage, renewable energy, all the things we need to decarbonise. Okay, a final question. For how long do you think Australia will be an exporter of gas? And how do you see gas? Is it a fossil fuel on the way out 
or is it an indispensable and invaluable transition fuel? Well, it is a fossil fuel. There's no doubt it contributes to global emissions. And this government has introduced laws to make sure that any operator of gas fields and so forth come in under the safeguards mechanism. So that's an important step that everyone is taking. There is a need for gas in this state to power the minerals processing we'll need to have the technologies to decarbonise. And that's why the offsets and the CCUS are so important, because we need one thing, gas, to get the other critical minerals. So gas will be a part of the future. And to be honest, I think we're all actually on the same page. There's just disagreements on how we get there. Uh, But we do want to get to net zero. Gas will be part of that story. Coming up after the break, Gina Reinhardt goes big on her vision for the regions. A troubled young woman. Her evil parents. We never had any issues between us. Has justice been done? I'm in a prison. Join journalist Richard Gilliatt as he delves into one of Australia's most gripping cases. Shadow of Doubt, a new podcast investigation from The Australian. I cannot find one of these allegations that's possible. Listen now, wherever you get your podcasts. inherited a deep love of our outback and the people who struggle year after year to make it productive. Whether it's agriculture, energy or mining, we wouldn't have the living standards we can enjoy without these essential industries. That was the voice of mining magnate Gina Reinhardt. She gave a fiery address to the Australian's Bush Summit yesterday, saying money made in the bush should be reinvested in the regions. Reinhardt's company, Hancock Prospecting, was a presenting partner of the summit. She claimed that the Western Australian workforce would be significantly boosted through updates to taxation and employment policy, as well as the establishment of special economic zones. In turn, some of the enormous wealth generated in Western Australia could better serve the community. Together, let's lead the way to drive such very beneficial economic zones. Indeed, I don't know of a better way to secure the very worthwhile theme of this summit, improving the lives of regional Australians to create a better Australia. Mrs Reinhardt said that while the iron ore industry can weather the transition to net zero, the agricultural sector is facing a more uncertain future. Otherwise, most farmers and others in agriculture, you know, be it the orchardists and others, cannot afford net zero they will have to leave agriculture. With the consequences, Aussies in the towns will see huge food price increases and fresh food shortages. And she added that nuclear power, not wind or solar, will ease the financial burden of the net zero transition on agricultural businesses. Given agriculture usually doesn't have the financial resources that the mining industry has, Just look at requiring electric vehicles alone, be they for lawnmowers, motorbikes, utes, four-wheel drives, tractors, harvesters, trucks, bulldozers, graders, front-end loaders and or more. So, the list continues. 650,000 for solar plants with huge batteries for when the sun doesn't shine. 
Then, of course, you have to add solar panels to replace multiple bore pumps, and it's essential for daily water. So I'm suggesting that those in agriculture don't have to spend more than $200,000 of their own money on net zero requirements. That won't buy all that I've just mentioned. The rest to be met by the governments or waived, i.e. real assistance with the policies they want to implement for net zero. Let's not upset many farmers with bird-killing wind generators and massive solar panel stretches and bring on clean, safe nuclear energy. Please, Australia. Reinhardt, who is Australia's wealthiest person, also touched on media reporting of her feud with her children. The family is currently embroiled in a civil lawsuit in which her eldest children, John Hancock and Bianca Reinhardt, have alleged their mother committed fraud to keep assets out of the family trust. Growing up on stations, the family unit is close and trusting, as ours certainly was. It's saddening that media likes to ignore the good if you're successful and not a socialist. Even in the last few days, ignoring the tight bond this West Australian family had for decades, instead just referring to some correspondence when I was very concerned about our family company over a few years, sadly, rightly so without adding the truth that Dad and I had again become very close pre his sad departure in 92, and I admire his moral and courageous stand in his final weeks. Gina Reinhart and Madeline King were speaking at the Australian's Bush Summit in Perth. You can watch all the keynote speeches and panel discussions from the Bush Summit right now at theaustralian.com.au. Access a world of true crime podcasts on CrimeX Plus, where award-winning journalists take a deep dive into unsolved cases. Every week, we're waking up to a dead woman, a dead mother, sister, auntie, grandmother. It's not good enough. From the team that brought you The Teacher's Pet, Shadow of Doubt, and Dying Rose, unlock early, ad-free, and bonus content from brand new series and flagship shows such as I Catch Killers with Gary Jubilin. One was shot in the mouth, and I thought he was dead. Another one had been shot with a shotgun and I got the overspray. Search for Crimex Plus on Apple Podcasts to start digging deep into the world of true crime.